Hey friends, we got a treat today. Um, we're gonna have a new friend of ours, Kaben Vikasland, is that how you say it? Vikasland. Vikasland. And uh, Kaben uh, and his family started kind of hanging around us at the beginning of this year. And, and they're one of the new families uh, that have been a part of our church um, in this pandemic. And one of the great kind of blessings that's come to us in this time. And it's been a joy to get to know Kaben um, over what, I guess, nine, 10 months now. And so um, I've asked him to um, teach us this week on the idea of journeying through the wall and um, walking through the hard thing and not just trying to go over it or around it or turning around and go the other way. So I um, hope that you, um, I know you'll be ministered to with Caven today, but I also um, encourage you to kind of open up your heart to a new person that's in our church and his family. And so uh, he's gonna join us um, right now. Father in heaven, we thank you for the time together around your word, God, and just ask that um, we would hear you in the depths of our hearts and that we would grow in knowing you and uh, your witness in this world. We pray this by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. The princess woke in a terrible fright. There was a hideous noise in her room, creatures snarling and hissing and rocketing about as if they were fighting. The moment she came to herself, she remembered something she had never thought of again. What her grandmother told her to do when she was frightened. She immediately took off her ring and put it under her pillow. As she did, she fancied that she felt a finger and a thumb take it gently from under her palm. Must be my grandmother. She said to herself, and the thought gave her such courage that she stopped to put on her slippers before running out the room. And then, feeling with the forefinger of her right hand, she soon found her grandmother's thread, which she proceeded at once to follow, expecting it would lead her straight up the old stair. When she reached the door, she found that it went down and ran along the floor, that she almost had to crawl in order to keep a hold of it. Then, to her surprise and somewhat to her dismay, she found that instead of leading towards the stair, it turned quite the opposite direction. It led her out of her house and led her straight up the mountain. After leading her up a good distance, the thread turned to the left and down a path. But she never thought of that. For now, the morning light, with its far outlook over the country, no path could have been more open and airy and cheerful. The mountain grew wilder till Irene began to think she was going a very long way from home. Then she saw that the little stream ran out of a hole in that rock that the path did not go past the rock and that thread was leading her straight up it. A shudder ran through her from head to foot. She found that the thread was actually taking her into the hole out of which the stream ran. It ran out babbling joyously, but she had to go in. She did not hesitate. Right into the hole she went, which was high enough to let her walk without stooping. For a little while, there was a brown glimmer, but at first, turn it all but ceased and she hadn't gone many paces when she was in total darkness then she began to be frightened indeed but presently she came to a huge heap of stones piled in a slope against the wall of the cavern on these she climbed and soon recovered the level of the thread only to find the next moment that it had vanished through the heap of stones for one terrible moment she felt as if her grandmother had forsaken her the thread which the spiders had spun far over the seas, which her grandmother had sat in the moonlight and spun again for her, which she had tempered in the rose fire and tied to her opal ring, had left her. 
had gone where she could no longer follow it, had brought her to a horrible cavern, there left her. She was forsaken indeed. At length, this thought struck her that she could follow the thread backwards and thus get out of the mountain and home. She rose at once and found the thread, but the instant she tried to feel it backwards, it vanished from her touch. Forwards, it led her hand up to the heap of stones. Backwards, it seemed nowhere. Neither could she see it as before the light of the fire. She burst into a wailing cry and again threw herself down on the stones. Now, if you want to get the rest of that story, you have to read The, the Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald. But of course, I didn't share that story and he didn't write it just to share a wonderful story. Grandmother is more than just a grandmother. And the princess is a sort of parable for us all in our journey with God. Our journey full of twists and turns and ups and downs, bright moments and gut-wrenching, impossible life circumstances. And it's those impossible life circumstances that we want to reflect on today. As a church, we're engaging in this sermon series based on Pete Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And this week, I want to talk about the experience that Pete calls going through the wall. And by going through the wall, what we're talking about is facing a situation that's impossible for us to handle on our own. For the princess and McDonald's story, it was being led into a rock pile against the wall of a cave. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go around it. We could go back, but we'd only end up more lost than we were before. The only way to go is through something that's impossible to go through in our own strength. And for our purposes today, I'd, I'd like to switch metaphors from a wall to a cross and speak about these impossible situations in terms of bearing a cross. And I'd like to do that because the cross requires a death and a resurrection. And the passage we're going to look at is pregnant with the foreshadowing of the cross of Christ. And if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and you want to follow along, go ahead and turn and find Genesis 22. It's the story of God's testing Abraham. And while you turn there, what we're going to see as we look at that passage today is that because God is determined to bless the whole world, he brings us crosses so that part of us will die and be raised to deeper intimacy with him and better participation in his mission of blessing the world. Start Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. Now, when we read sometime later, it's only natural to ask later than what? And to really get what's going on in this passage and what's at stake, we need to start back at the beginning. In Genesis 1, we read how God made a very good world with all of creation in harmony and with people made in his image. And our first parents broke that harmony through sin. They broke harmony with God, with the rest of creation, and within the entire human family. And Genesis 4 through 11 are basically a story of things going bad to, from bad to worse. Cain murders Abel. 
Lamech, the father of polygamy and being an obnoxious jerk, the judgment of the world and Noah's flood, the nations being scattered at the Tower of Babel. All of this leaves the question hanging. What is God going to do about his good world going from bad to worse? And then we turn the page to Genesis 12 when we find the answer. God promised to bless all the families of the earth through Abraham and Sarah's offspring. Really, the rest of the biblical story is about the outworking of this promise. In Galatians 3.8, Paul writes, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. So Abraham heard the gospel that all nations will be blessed through you. So the gospel, the good news, was first promised to Abraham way back, who then turns and repeatedly puts this promise in jeopardy. Abraham sells out his wife to save his own skin twice. Then Sarah hatches a plan for Abraham to give her a child by sleeping with his servant, with her servant girl. And, and then he goes along with it. And uh, unsurprisingly, that turns into a complete disaster. But in all of this, God is still faithful to his promise. And in chapter 21 of Genesis, Isaac, the promised child, is born. And then sometime later, we're not exactly sure how long, but God tested Abraham precisely at that point. And that brings us to this story. Goes on in verse two, says, then God then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. In 2 Chronicles 3, we learn that Mount Moriah is where the Jerusalem temple was built by Solomon. And so the sacrifice here foreshadows the entire sacrificial system, which is ultimately fulfilled by Jesus on the cross. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. And right now we need to sit for a moment with the inescapable reality that God is making this seemingly horrible command. And God is doing it intentionally to test Abraham. Now we can't make the mistake to see testing is the only reason that hard and horrible things happen in life. It's not. The Bible has a lot more to say about how we should respond to the darkness in our world. But what we can take away is that God does at times intentionally bring impossible situations in life. And these difficulties are an escapable part of God's plan to bring his blessing to the world. An exception <clears throat> Uh, and an, an expectation, rather, that life will be mostly pleasant sets us up for great disappointment and hinders our walk with God through those dark times. And again, there's a lot more to say about evil and suffering and our response, but for our purposes today in this text right here, let's hold on to the fact that sometimes God intentionally brings us to dark places, and that's an inescapable part of his purpose in redeeming a broken world. And that's what we see here with Abraham. He's called to sacrifice his son, his son that he loves. 
but even beyond the, the personal sadness, is the fact that now, instead of Abraham putting God's promises in jeopardy, God is putting God's promises in jeopardy. I mean, what in the world? But at this point in his life, it ain't Abraham's first rodeo. And we see him respond with deep faith. Now, a real quick side note that I feel like we need to hit before I go on. Oh, while child sacrifice was practiced in pagan religion all over the world in Abraham's day, and still is to some extent in our day, it's explicitly forbidden in the scriptures. The Bible contains commands against it. It's one of the reasons God had uh, Israel drive out the Canaanites from the land. The prophets spoke out against the practice when Israel fell back into Canaanite worship. But Abraham never, med, never read Moses and the prophets, right? They came later. So Abraham didn't know that explicitly, but he did know God. And we see him respond with great faith. We see him respond in, in such a way that indicates he was thinking, you know what, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know somehow God is going to work it out. Continue on in the story. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And so we see Abraham taking steps, step by step towards this seemingly terrible calling to sacrifice the son he loves and God's purposes for blessing the world. And yet Abraham expresses deep trust. He tells his servant that both he and Isaac will come back. And he tells Isaac that God will provide the lamb. And we can be confident that Abraham wasn't just saying this to avoid difficult conversations because we have a divinely inspired insight into his heart. In Hebrews 11, it reads, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be counted. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And so here we see Abraham walking in mature faith. He doesn't feel like he has to manage the situation. He doesn't need to maneuver and manipulate other people to feel like he's in control. He doesn't understand all that's going on, but he's not anxious. And think about for a moment the freedom that that brings. 
to be able to say, okay, God, I don't know how this will work out, but you're going to work it out. So let's do it. One of God's purposes in bringing crosses in our lives is bring us more and more to that place of freedom. Then we might die to our false selves and false idols to be raised to greater freedom through deeper trust in him. When they had reached the place that God told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. Now it's important to remember here that it's Isaac who carried the wood up the mountain. If he's strong enough to carry that much wood up a mountain, he would definitely be strong enough to take on old man Abraham and fast enough to get away. And so we conclude that Isaac at some point came into cooperation with Abraham in this whole business. That I don't know how, did they have a talk on the way up? Abraham said, son, here's what's happening, but we can trust God to work it out. Or, or what exactly went down, I don't know. But we can conclude that Isaac and Abraham were in it together at this point. Abraham bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar in the top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld your son from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed as his burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so we come to the climax of the story. God calls Abraham off at the last minute. Isaac is spared and a ram is provided in his place. And here the curtain is pulled back and we learn a part of why God tested Abraham. And God did it for God, at least in part. He says to Abraham, now I know that you fear me. And of course, God knows everything in terms of facts, but even God doesn't know by experience until he lives the experience. And God now has a deeper knowledge of Abraham than he did before. As we turn to reflect on our own lives, we need to know that part of the reason that God brings hardships is for God. That he might know us more deeply and we might be more deeply known by him. When God sets his affections on us, he will have us, all of us, and it will cost us. It's both beautiful and frightening truth that we need to come to grips with. That's not all. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. 
Now, hopefully you caught that restatement of God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, that all the families on the earth would be blessed through him. And then on top of that, God restates his promise to Abraham that his descendants, that Abraham's descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the skies. When God originally made those promises, they were unilateral. God just says, this is what I'm gonna do. But now God says, because you, Abraham, because you obeyed me, these blessings will come to pass. And so God brings Abraham into the family business and gives Abraham the honor of being part of his mission to bring blessing to the world. So one of the reasons that God will bring crosses into our lives is so that we can be better fit to bring his blessing into the world, be better fit to be part of what God has going on, what God is up to. The death and the resurrection we experience makes us better able to proclaim that God even when things are hard, can be trusted. And so now we turn and uh, from Abraham's story and reflect a bit on our own. A couple weeks back, Drew asked me if I wanted to preach during the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Series. And I, I said, sure, I'd love to. Not remembering at the time that one of the occupational hazards of Bible teaching is that God makes you live what you teach. And uh, when Drew proposed that I preach on uh, going through the wall, I thought, man, that, that hits way too close to home. You see, three years ago, my family and I moved to San Antonio. Um, I had a, what looked like a really promising job, and then we had family close by, and uh, the job lasted 18 months, and we hardly ever see the family. And it's been really hard for all of us in, in different ways. You know, I had plans and hopes for how it would be and it all just blew up in my face. It's been really hard and it hurts a lot. Now I can, little by little, feel a deeper faith, a stronger hope grow in me. There's more compassion because life is hard. Yes, God is at work, but that does not make it easy. And I'm sure many of you can relate. And of course, this doesn't just apply to individuals. I think of the church, our church in a season of homelessness. We're wondering when God will provide a place for us to be together in person on a regular basis. There are some options, but all of them require sacrifice. And so we walk together with God to discern what he would have us lay down as a body that we might hopefully take up something greater. Whenever God calls us, whatever God calls us to go through, we can rest assured in the fact that he has gone before us in the cross of Christ. And Jesus' cross is foreshadowed in profound ways in this passage as Abraham is called to sacrifice his dearly loved son in the region of Moriah, so the dearly loved son of God was sacrificed in that same place. As Isaac carried the wood up the mountain, so Jesus carried the cross up Calvary. 
As Abraham and Isaac walked together towards Isaac's, towards Isaac's sacrifice, so Jesus and his father committed together to the sacrifice of the cross. In John 10, 18, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. But unlike Isaac, there was no substitute. Instead, Jesus was the substitute for us all. His great provision for our full salvation offered on a mountain of the Lord. It is through his death and resurrection that we know God and come to be known by God. As we proclaim that his, he is creation's rightful king, come to set things right, we participate in the mission that brings God's blessing to all the peoples of the earth. So, no matter our crosses, we can be encouraged that he has gone before us. He is with us, and though it will not be easy, he will see us through. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. And so, after walking through the deep pain and being raised to a deeper participation in cosmic redemption, Abraham goes back to Beersheba, back to where he was before all of this happened, back to live it out day by day in his normal life. And may we too go back to our home, back to our work, even back to our pain, but now hopefully more deeply knowing him who's determined to bless all the families of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're with us in the hard times, God. Lord, I pray specifically for all the folks who are, who are feeling the weight of their trials, of their crosses, of their hardships today, who are hearing this message. Lord, enlighten hope in their hearts, in my heart, God. Help us to grow in this truth that we've learned, Lord. Thank you that you hear us. We pray this by your spirit in Jesus' name, amen.